0: Robert Sperling has been sourcing goods out of China and Asia countries for more than 22 years with his company, East West Basics. Today, we talk about what has changed over the years with sourcing and what people need to be aware of to make sure that they're getting the right product from the right factory out of China. Selling on Amazon is difficult. It's everything but passive income. I share videos like this one to help Amazon sellers on their journey. My name is Stephen Pope and I'm the founder of My Amazon Guy. When Amazon turns your world upside down, tune into My Amazon Guy to land safely and grow your Amazon business. Welcome to the My Amazon Guy podcast, Robert. It's nice to have you join me. Nice to be here. So you have been a My Amazon client, what, like three years now?
1: I would say just about three, yes.
0: Yeah, and uh, before we dive in and establish who you are, what's been your experience working with us since
1: you've been working with us for so long? Well, considering... We didn't know this space beforehand. We have learned uh, tons and every day is a new learning experience. You guys are really professional at what you do and you've guided us um, beautifully uh, along the path and you continue to. So we're, we're real pleased with our relationship.
0: Well, I, I appreciate the endorsement there. Um, and, and I think that you guys are some of the, the smartest sourcing people I've ever met. And what products you guys bring to market with Abington Lane? It's just incredible. So I'm excited to have you on the podcast today to talk a little bit about that. So you know, our theme of our podcast today is you know like how how uh, how do you source effectively, right? And and so you've got some knowledge and intel to share that I think a lot of people will find valuable. So as we kind of set you up as an expert on this space, let's let's walk through a little bit of history. So how. Uh, how much experience do
1: you have in this space and tell me a little about it? Well, 22 years uh, with East West Basics, our main company, uh, another 15 in a family business prior. Uh, I moved into China in 1979 for the first time. We became sourcing experts way back when in China before anyone really knew uh, much about China. So East West Basics was founded 22 years ago by myself, uh, one main US partner who really handles most of the product development and sales. We have about six other US associates full-time that work on product development and sales. And I have a main um, Chinese, Taiwanese actually, partner who uh, is our managing, really a managing director in China. Interesting story. He grew up in a family business, but before that he was deciding whether to stay in medicine or go into the entrepreneurial family business. He was a UCLA pre-med grad. He was going to become a surgeon and it was back and forth and he decided to go into the family business. Possibly. That's
0: that's a big change. Like a, a lot of people have big decisions. Like that's a fork in the road for
1: life. Fortunately for us, because we leveraged his expertise and his infrastructure that he built for his family business at the age of 23 throwing him full throttle into China. And so uh, he successfully built their infrastructure in the early 80s. And of course, uh, our partnership leveraged that expertise in creating our own uh, team that works full-time for East-West Basics. We have 35 people on the ground in China that have been with us probably many for 15 or 20 years, extremely seasoned. They really know what they're doing well in product development, sourcing, uh, PO monitoring, which we could get into, you know, uh, more, so, of course.
0: So I think, I think you're established as an expert here. So now let's start giving advice and adding value to people. Um, what have you seen change since you've been doing this for more than two decades? What have you seen change in the sourcing game, you
1: know, each decade? So much. So much has changed, but I think it might be helpful to provide our history and to lead up to now, and then I I might be able to relate to to the audience a lot more, if that's okay with you. Yeah. So we develop and source products for a lot of the major retailers, including Walmart, QVC, Bed Bath, FTD. Many have been with us for 20 years. We also work with Macy's and Belk Department Stores, TJX, Ross, et cetera. Uh, Importantly, we work with a lot of wholesalers, which is really you know, what we're talking about today. And we have partnered with with wholesalers to help build their business by coming up with items for them and having a very intricate sourcing operation that is our expertise. So more on that, we have systems and procedures in place for uh, PO monitoring, sampling, quality control, final inspection, We have field merchants that work with the factories. We have the ladies mostly in the office that are really keen on product. They have a great sense for product in developing, in in sourcing, in in knowing what the customers want since they've been active for so many years. And then we have PO monitoring all along the, the process of production. We have final inspection. We have a separate quality control team separate from the field merchants to have different eyes on the products so that there's nothing that can go awry. So it's, it's really quite an elaborate system that Jason created that we work together in improving over time.
0: Why, why have a system? Why not just show up in China, go to one of the, you know, Canton Fair, buy a product and leave? Why not just do it like that?
1: That's why we're in business for 22 years and not two. <laughs> <laughs> well, you make, you
0: make it sound like it's a lot of work. I don't know if I want to do this.
1: <laughs> so, you know, it's so interesting. I was thinking about this podcast and I was thinking about the importance of sharing with you know, many of your clients, hopefully that will be watching this and the danger, you know, so let me back up. They, they do things so well. Um, Zach and I have spoken to, you know, different wholesalers, people that are in this business that are selling Amazon. They're so smart they do things so well in knowing where the opportunities are. For quick, quick, quick
0: note. Like you have a family business too. So I've been meeting with your family and, and Zach, your son for for the three years we've been doing business together. It's, it's fun to run a family
1: business, isn't it? It is fun. It, it's, it's very gratifying to see the progress and to see the involvement in the work ethic. Yes, it I, is.
0: I got three kids under five. I hope one day that at least one of them does, does uh, enter the family business with me. So that's, well, that's I have my- two.
1: You know, as you know, Jenna's involved as well in product development, so I'm um, doubly blessed. That's that's amazing.
0: All right, so I didn't mean to interrupt, but I just had that's a comment okay. on the family business. So, so you've so, got you got this operation going. How has that allowed you to understand
1: the changes over the last couple of decades? So we have we have this operation going, and it's always changing. The sources of supply are changing. The factories are closing. They're opening. They're moving. It's ever-changing, like business here with Amazon and the other platforms are. The biggest danger, in my opinion, to the companies that are doing business with Amazon and and, and others are not having a real uh, sense of the importance of proper sourcing. So, you know, many that we've spoken to are dealing directly with factories that don't even know them. Some are dealing with agents that really uh, never met them and don't even know their background, and it takes one, maybe two times of really bad product reviews and damages to ruin them. So, you, what, what
0: do you mean you 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 cut you cut my uh, corner by two pennies on the on the run and it ruined my two million dollar batch? Is that kind of yeah?
1: Well, the, you see, the factories in China and Vietnam and everywhere else in Asia are oftentimes looking to cut corners. They're looking to save money. They're looking to make the delivery dates. Their eye is not necessarily the same as the American consumer. So our people are highly trained over 22 years. They know what the quality needs are. We go into every order with specs, with, with, with sheets of, of, of checks that they need
0: what about contracts? Like you have contracts with the manufacturers as well?
1: We have contracts with every order we place. We, everything is signed with um, quality control agreements. They keep a sample. We keep a sample. The customer keeps a sample. Everyone works off the same sample and the same specs. There is no uh, ambiguity in how we do things and, and questions on what might have been. And there is no way out. For the factory or or the customer, because we're all working off the same playbook.
0: Everybody's got to be whole, no doubt about it. That's how we win together. So, so like, let's. I, I would assume a lot of people listening to this are are doing Alibaba, right? So, like, when when does it make sense to go from I'm an Alibaba purchaser to hiring East West Basics to be my sourcing team?
1: So it pays to work with a company like ours um, right off the bat. And the bottom line is they need to secure the pricing that they need. And if we, we were another company like us that has our type of experience can provide the pricing that's acceptable to them with all of the other things that we bring to the table, which is you know, principally security of, of production and product monitoring and the, the ethical nature of how we do business, with customers and the factories, I mean that is their security blanket. So, like,
0: uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna press you on just a little bit. So, you don't want somebody coming up and saying, "Hey, I want to place a two thousand dollar order with you, right?" So, like, they're not that sort of person is not ready to engage a sourcing team. Like, they don't have the budget, right? So, like, how how do I know when I'm serious enough to
1: engage you? If that makes it's sense, it's a great question. So, it's mostly dictated by the factories in China because they have minimums. So we have to meet the MOQs in order for them to accept the order. We are looking, one of the things I was thinking about, one of the things I would love to do for our company is to work with entrepreneurial companies in the States that are, whether they're small, medium or large, but even take the small ones, those that have the potential to really rise We would love to work with them because we could help build their sourcing infrastructure. We can come up with product ideas for them. The relationships that we've created over time are so meaningful to me and the people that we work with that that's one of the things that I would really like to focus on as a company, building relationships with people that are even small now that could grow, but that have the potential to grow. Not to do 10, 20, 30, $40,000 a year in, in sourcing. That wouldn't be cost effective for us. So we're all in favor of starting small with people. Of course, we love nothing more than large customers because you know that is what we do. But we welcome cementing relationships from beginning to end. And we've done that with, you know, quite a few wholesalers that we've started with three, four, five years ago, and now we have multi-million dollar businesses with them. And you know, great relationships. We travel together in China. We drink together. We eat together. We, you know, we we go in five hour van rides together. Whether or not Ooh, people,
0: I might I'd rather part bread with you than spend a five hour van ride with you. <laughs> you don't know that. You might have a great time. We have very philosophical conversations. I'm sure. I'm sure we would. All right. So uh, let's talk. Let's talk mistakes,
1: and let's talk good decision
0: making. What was one of the one of the mistakes that you've learned from in
1: all of this? <laughs> Uh, one of the mistakes, one of the big mistakes that we learn from is working with factories to try to make more money. To If we're not able to accept an order from a large retailer because we're not making enough margin, we worked with factories a few times that were uh, much less expensive, but the quality was very iffy. And we haven't done this often, but we did this one time, and it cost us two hundred thousand dollars. That Alex,
0: that's that's a that keeps you up at
1: night. We had to replace the goods in air freight several you know three or four or five containers to the states, and we did it because we always will stand by our word. We have the thankfully, the resources to be able to handle things like that. We don't like them at all. And that was a le- that was a lesson that we learned that we will never ever repeat again. Get,
0: can, if you can shed any details on that, you can talk generically. Uh, but, like, what what was it the factory did when they cut the corner?
1: We failed a, it was a vase, and we failed uh, a, a waterproof test where the purple color leaked Ouch. once.
0: That seems it, critical. We,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't think the consumers enjoyed seeing purple water. No,
0: so, I can imagine not. okay yeah, <laughs> All right. Yeah. what about so so that's that was obviously a, a, a critical learning moment in your in your career in, in business. What about something where you made the decision where you weren't sure about it when you made the decision, but it turned out to be a home run and you were really glad that you did it.
1: Kind of like every day, it, it, this is what we do every day. We work with you know A and B factories only. We won't accept we won't chase orders. Our integrity is everything to us, uh, our honesty, how we work with, uh, within ourselves and with customers and factories. So I don't think there's one thing I can think about. It's really the ones that I think about that we made the mistake, like what I just shared with you, sure. that keeps me awake. at night. The rest is how we operate and what we do, we think we do well. And I don't pat ourselves on the back for that because that's how we should be operating.
0: Well, I, I have to say that it makes a lot of sense to you know, grind it the way that you've described it, so to speak. Um, all right, so let's talk, let's talk products. So with Abington Lane, uh, you guys do home furniture. With East-West Basics, you, you mentioned vases. There's a lot of different things that you could uh, source. So what, uh, what kind of items are you guys comfortable sourcing and, and, and what, what can you share there?
1: Another great question. All kinds of consumer products both for the home, for the office, we can source automobile parts. We can, we, we, we were sourcing, um, honey at one point in time from China. So that's, that's a unique one. It was, it was, it was bizarre. And, um, mostly it's, it's their products for the home, for the office, for the, for, but, um, we stay away from apparel, we stay away from shoes, we stay away mostly from sizes and- Do people go uh, to
0: India for clothing more so from your experience?
1: We have dabbled in India and we, we do not like India as a source of supply. It's too uh, it's too indefinite and um, we have no degree of confidence of anything in India.
0: I heard it recently described by somebody that it's pretty manual in India. They'll- it's very-
1: Yes, they'll hire they'll hire
0: a random person off the street to go
1: complete a task at, at any specific time. <laughs> it's very manual, and there's too many question marks. We just don't have, you know, you know, we're all about the work ethic, and you know, the work ethic in China is unsurpassed. It's like the U.S. people work hard. They they work really hard, and they understand it. I, I'm not so sure that's the case in India. So we, we can only do so much. So we're in Ch- principally in China. We now have a strong presence in Vietnam. We're moving into Cambodia. So we'll stay in that region you know, for now because we think that's where the opportunities are over the next five years at least.
0: So that's great. Um, so, so somebody who you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of money move into the Amazon space, right? So like we're seeing lots of businesses go buy other businesses and gobble up things and, and for, for good reason, right? Like it's never been a better time to sell on Amazon. It's also getting more complex. So let's, uh, this is the segment where I like to talk about growing Amazon sales. So we're going to pit, we're going to pivot a little bit away from sourcing, but you can, you can give a sourcing answer if you want. So what, what, what kind of like, I don't know, something you could do in one hour today that anybody's listening to this, what would you tell them to do to help grow their Amazon sales?
1: Hmm. That's a, that's a tough one. Um, You really need to, I'm sure they know as much as I do, but we really need to know our competition, what people are selling like products for, how are the ratings, uh, what people are doing successfully, where the openings are, maybe something, a, a product that has tons of reviews, but they're mostly not so good. That would be an indication that there's an opening. For products, so I think it's just really doing your homework, whether it's in our category or or others, just to see what's out there, what the competition is, the landscape, the retail prices, where you would need to be price wise. Can you make any money doing it, um, et cetera?
0: So that, that, that gave me a good question. So if a lot of times people create me too products, right? They go to market because they saw somebody else do it. You've seen that happen to your own business where somebody's coming out with similar products and they try and steal your market share. So here's the question. Should should people try and be creators or should they be me too products in this day and age? Well, I I think me
1: too product, I'd, I'd like to switch it a little bit away from, I think rather than a me too, you could take a product that's, very successful and tweak it. Do something different. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you do, you should do something somewhat different, add a component, uh, features aesthetically or functionally that might add add, um, gusto to the product that is already doing really well. That's a me too, which is not really exactly a me too. And the creative end, of course, there's always room for, creativity, new ideas, um, um, new n- new ways of doing things, of getting to the same, you know, to the same goal. Can you, can you give me an example of like
0: adding the gusto to a product?
1: Yes, you could take uh, one of our jewelry storage armoires and it's maybe it's adding uh, lights, LED lights or components where you can um, make sure that you can, uh, hook up your, your, your iPhone to it, um, func- you know, the functionality portion. The yeah, aesthetic adding, adding portion. a port, that's great. Yes, the aesthetic portion might be additional storage areas. It might be a really unique color that's never been introduced. It might be. Um, Everything must be black. <laughs> Everything must be black. Well, black. That was or a, gray a Ford, Ford
0: reference. Uh, you can have any color you want as long as it's black was, uh, was the mantra back in the day when Ford was busting out trucks and cars and whatnot. Um, all, right, all right. So you mentioned another interesting idea on, on the creativity. So, um, by the way, how, how, uh, how many trips have you made to China, would you guess? Uh, probably 130. That's a lot. So you've been to, and and, uh, I'm sure you've been to a lot of manufacturers, you've been to a lot of fairs. Um, So somebody who uh, maybe they wanna go it alone, maybe they're gonna go to the fair alone, what advice would you give them?
1: When you go to the fair alone, you can learn a lot by speaking to a lot of people, looking at the products there, Exchanging information, just really finding out where their sources of supply are, what they do well, who their customers are. Most of them are not really factories. Most of them are trading companies, and by that I mean the middlemen. And and, and so you, so you got to pay the have... middleman tax if you buy from them. Well. One thing I never, I, I didn't mention, we don't go through middlemen. We right. only deal directly with factories. So when we go to the fair, we already know the game. You know, we're, we're just learning. We're going to learn. We're seeing where products are made, where the factories are. Some factories are there, but it's mostly trading companies. So uh, people that go there will probably be following up with trading companies, not really getting to the source themselves unless they go over there. If they go over there... They can force the trading companies to take sure. them to the factories. And you know, the more you do, the the more you learn, the better you'll end up being in the end. There's there's no easy way out. There's gotta, no easy easy route in doing this. Gotta that, pay your tax. Back, back to my original point of if their expertise, the the people that are selling on Amazon and other platforms, if their expertise is in knowing what products to come out with the marketing, the advertising, the hits, the reviews, then work with people that that do really well on the sourcing so you don't have a catastrophe on your hands. And all that great work you've done over two, three, four, five years is ruined overnight because, well, they just weren't looking at the product, uh, monitoring the way they were supposed to, the people that were working for them. The, the, there's no shortcuts in this business. And it's just something that I would – encourage the people out there to make sure they're really comfortable with who's doing the sourcing for them, whether it's factories directly or people like us, uh, the importance is, uh, is very real.
0: Let, let's talk about that for a little bit. So um, one of my great mentors, his name is Harry Joyner. He's one of the, he's like the Nolan Ryan of e-commerce recruiting in the States, right? Really smart cat. Um, so I, uh, I had a sourcing conversation with him the other day. And he says, when you go to a a factory in China, it's like putting your hand into a bucket of water. And the moment you leave the factory, that's like removing your hand from the water and the water just goes back right to where it was. And it was his criticism of saying that like, you know, factories are going to do what factories are going to do. I'd love for you to weigh in on this and maybe kind of shed some light on like, what should somebody be doing when they go to a factory to make sure that
1: they're communicating the right things? He's spot on. And that is, that's exactly the position that we take. And that's why there are no shortcuts with what we do. And that's why we have signed contracts. Everyone keeps a sample. There are spe- written specs that are agreed to. We monitor, but even that, we still don't trust the factories. So we're there all the time monitoring the production. We have inspections from multiple sources of eyes within our own company, to make sure that those hands in the water uh, don't get bloodied.
0: Well, that's an interesting take. Uh, so not only is it important for the water to, you know, resist and go back, you know, stay where we want it to stay, but if, but if you keep it there and do it the wrong thing, there might be a few piranhas in there and you might get a little bloody. So that's good, good insight. All right. So for somebody who wants to um, get in contact with East West Basics with you, Robert, uh, where what's the best way to do that?
1: The best way to do that is through Abington Lane. I mean, we, we are operating through Abington Lane. I have uh, a cell phone they can always call or an email address. You're old school. All right. They always. I'm so old school. But the, <laughs> the young people are keeping me, keeping me a,
0: a bit refreshed. So so you want them to go to abingtonlane.com to get in touch with you?
1: Yes, I think so. And you know, Zach is on point there. And so yeah. he knows everything that's going on with what we're doing. And and uh, yes, they can just contact Abington Lane and they will they will get to us for sure.
0: Perfect. We'll put you we'll put them in touch with you. Well, uh Robert, uh, you've been great to speak with. Good, good to get some insight into you know, the sourcing game, Uh, it's ever changing and you've got a lot of experience. So I appreciate you coming on the My Amazon Guy podcast. Thanks.
1: Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: All right. That's the My Amazon Guy podcast. Please share this episode with somebody who you think would be in need of some sourcing information. Thanks so much. This was the My Amazon Guy podcast with Stephen Pope. Each episode helps you grow your sales on Amazon through ideas on traffic and conversion rate improvements. Hit that subscribe button right now to tune in each week. And if you need more help, go to myamazonguy.com.